Hello and Happy New Year. This is the first episode of a Duck Feed show in 2015, and I want to start it off with a renewed call to action to check out our Patreon page. We talk about it a lot. We lead most of our episodes with it, but it really does uh, do a great deal to help us. I'm looking at all the stuff that we've done in 2014 with the money that you have so graciously given us, and uh, boy, has it made a huge difference. So go over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, take a look at those rewards, and uh, you know, give whatever you can give. Nothing is also a valid answer, but um, even a buck helps because both of those numbers uh, mean a lot to us. The total amount of money given each month and the total number of active uh, donors, uh, those all work in our favor. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. I hope everybody has had a pleasant new year and we look forward to making 2015 uh, pretty great. So thanks. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to a Watch Out for Fireballs Extrasode. It is a retro games podcast extrasode. Yes. And this week we are reading your responses to the Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind. And damn, did you guys come out. Yeah, this is the most we've ever gotten for anything. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> like we did Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Did Earthbound. Did a lot of very popular games. Yeah. And... We did Tomba. <laughs> we did Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth. We did a lot of very yeah. popular games. Peanuts, Walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Grape Nuts. All, all the great characters. Yep. Mario, Sonic, Jack Walters from Call of Cthulhu, Dark Corners of the Earth. All of the great video game mascots. Fried and this shrimp, is, this is the, shrimp gumbo. <laughs> this is, and, and this is, uh, I don't think so, Tim. Uh, I think, this, this is the, the, the game that got everyone to come out in full force. Yep. It also helps that they had like months and months to think yeah, of their responses. Exactly. <laughs> Write your essays on Morrowind and send yeah. them to us. And we will read them, um, which we will. Yep. Uh, so we're going to start out with, we have these kind of broken down into sections. We're going to start out with uh, a little bit of follow-up. Yeah. So uh, we have some follow-up regarding uh, St. Jub and the uh, and, and the cliff, race, cliff racers. Uh, first off from Facebook, we have Brad Hirong who says, I want to write a response, but I can't sit down to rest and write because of all the cliff racers. Uh, mm -hmm. fortunately all he has to do is wait a century or so uh, because as Brett writes in uh, via contact you briefly mentioned that someone eventually drove all of the, uh, the cliff racers out of Morrowind and became a saint fun fact his name was Saint Jeb remember that very first person that you meet in Morrowind the shirtless Dunmer who's there when you wake up inside the boat that's Jeb I like to think <laughs> that when he disembarked from the ship and went on his own series of adventures in Vardenfell he became so fed up with the cliff racers uh, that he made it his life's mission to rid the land of these fuckers forever he makes an appearance in Sovngarde warrior heaven and Skyrim too pretty neat that is pretty neat yeah one of the things I like about the Elder Scrolls games uh, that we that we kind of mentioned, but like they kind of each entry treats all of the previous entries with respect. Yes. In that manner, like, you know, more people played Skyrim than Morrowind. Like Skyrim is one of the most popular games of all time, you know, um, but they put in little things like that for the people who did. And then in Morrowind, there were references to Daggerfall and Arena, mm -hmm. even though way more people played Morrowind than and those things. So, like, I would not be surprised if there were, like, ref like several references to Daggerfall and Arena even in Skyrim. Right. Like, they do they do have this kind of sense of, of history about them that is, is really kind of commendable. We touched on that last time about how, in, a, in an ideal world, those games would be playable. So yeah. we could come to them with uh, with with the, uh, the, the greater context, right? 
Yeah, there should be like a like a visual novel version or like a, like those Metal Gear iOS games. Oh yeah, they're just like shooting galleries with the cutscenes from Metal Gear games between them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the way I'd want to do those. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty neat. Um, I also like that, and I like how he ended up in Warrior Heaven yeah. because uh, I also like the, the the idea of Bethesda realizing they fucked up and and doing these little <laughs> winks. Yeah. Um, even though, man, like that that Sovngarde scene is such a bummer. You in know, Skyrim. I, nev- I never got there. Like I know about it, but I never got there. It sounds cool. Like you go to like a rainbow bridge to Valhalla to fight a giant dragon with uh, all your warrior friends. Okay. And it's like six dudes who keep saying the same di- lines of dialogue like over and over. God damn it. It, feel, it feels really limp. Uh-huh. Like uh, epic combat is not something that these games have ever been able to do. Right. But yeah, it is, it is such a bummer. I even remember some of the dragon encounters in, in, in the main quest in Skyrim being good though. Yeah. They, they start out good when you're really underpowered. Like right. they're pretty desperate and awesome. And a couple of them are scripted and really cool. But this one I did not did not care for. Mostly because like I had this big warrior heaven built up oh, yeah. in my head. And then like I got there and it's like it's six dudes. Damn. Like it is literally just like it's very anemic. <laughs> um yeah, it's unfortunate. Huh. Um so we got some lore follow-up. Uh C Euro over via something awful. Um also mentioned uh Saint Geo. Which is, uh, you know, thank you very much. And he goes on to say, uh, don't use a Cliff Racer's removal mod. They have one of the very, uh, one of the few ingredients that let you make levitation potions and by, and are by far the easiest to come by. I always use a mod that made healthy wildlife passive. So by the time the diseased and blighted creatures start showing up in greater numbers, they are trivial to kill. I'm not sure. Are we going to interrupt me, Cole? Oh, Sorry. I was just going to say that, that that is a good idea for a mod. Yeah, that's a great idea for a mod. Because yeah. um, it makes sense. Like, there's no reason. Like, if these things are everywhere, like... Mm-hmm. Why are they trying to kill me? Like fucking squirrels don't attack me. Um, birds yeah, don't attack me. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, he goes on to say, I'm not sure if you mentioned uh, who the tribunal actually are. Like Dagoth Ur, they were friends with the Nerevar and fought with him at the Battle of Red Mountain. Vivek was uh, his mentor slash training partner, Amalexia, his wife, and Sothasil was just some dude. After the battle, they used the heart of Lorcan to make themselves gods, and the conflicting story is Nerevar died in battle versus Nerevar was betrayed by these three who wanted the power for themselves. Uh, Dagather's power comes from the heart, too, and once you destroy it, Vivek also tells you, we tribunal will eventually lose our power, to which he's ambivalent, but in the tribunal expansion, you learn how the other two, mostly Almalexia, feel feel about it i.e she is not happy there's a series of books in marwin called the 36 sermons of vivek they're basically biblical chapters of the temple there's supposedly a secret message in there that is a confession from vivek about having killed uh Nerevar with the rest of the tribunal did uh did you try and read the 36 lessons of vivek i read some of them it's crazy yeah it's, like, it's, i say it's crazy nuts. a lot but like it is bonkers in a way that like i would find difficult to manufacture yeah yeah it is it is impressive I, I was I'm on the record of finding like some of the reading styles in these games not to my taste, mm-hmm. you know like like I appreciate that they're there, but like very rarely do they end up being something I want to read. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is some kind of like you know ludo literary conflict in my like I'm saying down <laughs> to play a game. Like I'll play a game where you have to read constantly. Like I'll play a visual novel game, but something mm-hmm. about these games puts me off. And something about the writing style, even though I think they are well written. Yeah. Um, and this is very interesting to me. Like there's and there's like one of the guys I can't remember his name and and Vivian told us about it and we'll pop in I bet um, and let us know. But there's like a guy who is responsible specifically for writing these 36 sermons of Vivek. Yeah, yeah. Like in, um, there, the story is that he just like holed up with coffee and bourbon and wrote it over yeah. the course of a night or something like that. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. 
but yeah, we didn't get into that background. Um, so yeah, thanks for helping yeah. us uh, kind of illuminate that. Yep, it's there. Um, it, I, it's just complicated. <laughs> yeah, we just didn't. We just didn't have like they were. It was a long episode, the first one, and we just didn't get to it. But it is true, and it is neat. I like the idea of these uh, mm-hmm. the tribunal quite a bit. And this gets to something that kind of like was in the back of my mind for closing thoughts on the entirety of Morrowind. Not to drag this out, but. Uh, boy is it more fun to in a lot of ways more fun to hear people tell these stories to you than it is to actually go out and find them on your own i think so too which is weird because like i like i like the idea of being kind of an archa you know uh, archaeologist Mm -hmm. but in in fact like i'd rather have it just kind of spelled out for me i'm planning on like once i have some freed up time in my pod schedule checking out that lore podcast Mm -hmm. that we talked about in the first episode just because like that is what i want i want someone to just tell me this stuff because i think it's very cool on paper it's just experiencing it is a little bit obtuse me. Uh, Jesse Onland, uh, who is at the Fring thing on Twitter, uh, I assume he is a representative of Poyos Hermanos, uh, writes in saying, small correction, Vivek, the demigod, not the city, is, I think, intended to be a gender, uh, not, unamb- not unambiguously a he. So uh, uh, both, neither, one or the other, interchangeably. I think that what we were doing was probably reacting to the voice actor. Yes. Like it, it's it, and there is no gender neutral pronoun in the English language, which is, you know, it sucks, but it's not our fault. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think that like the fact that uh, Vivek speaks with a with a masculine voice mm-hmm. made that the easiest thing to default to. Yeah. So, uh, but that is there in the lore, and uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least acknowledge that we might have messed it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and also like the idea of this, so, like Hermaphrodite God King is is pretty rad and seventies uh, prog rocky. God King or Queen. Yes, and, God, or, yeah. and or queen. Yes, God, the God and or queen. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so some more uh, follow-up, uh, Dagoth transformation follow-up. Uh, Brian Pitt via Facebook says, a minor lower correction. The Dagoths are not wearing elephant masks. Those are their faces. Those are their faces. The lucky corpus infectees become transcendent God monster, monsters, free of the divine tyranny of fate, but most of them just turn into tumor beasts. And uh, Paul Mum continues uh, with that. Along that line says, additionally, um, you'll notice that the ash zombies have these big gaping pits where their eyes and nose should be, as if someone took a melon baller to them, which is, that's a good image and gross. Um, The Dagoths and ash ghouls actually have some kind of proboscis growing out of the hole. It looks more like a tumorous or a parasitic growth bursting out of a hollow shell than a facial transformation. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we referenced those things having elephant masks. We didn't talk about the big missing face zombies, but we saw them. We just didn't mention their missing face. Right. So. Yep, that's horrifying. Um, <laughs> Corpus yeah. is scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder how much of like not noticing that could come be like chalked up to graphical graphical fidelity. Maybe like even with the mods, like I wonder if like I'm not trying to put like the shift the blame off of us or anything like mm-hmm. that because it's like what's what's the blame? Who cares? But yeah. the um, it is it was something that like oh the elephant mask looked like a mask to me. You yeah. know, in my mind, if I imagine it, it's still hard to see it as a proboscis growing out of a hole. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, like the, the, this feels kind of akin to like sometimes when I play Binding of Isaac at work, like on a mm-hmm. lunch break or something, people would be like, why are you playing that blood poop game? And it's yeah. like, oh, I actually I don't see that. Yeah. Right. Just like this is this is dots and squares to me. Yeah. Um, this eventually, I think by the time I got to the ash, you know, to, 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 to the to the more drastic transformations, like everything was just kind of like wireframe. Like, yeah, I just stopped really paying attention to, to the texture yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sam Bear writes in about fast travel saying, um, just a minor correction, Daggerfall does have fast travel, um, parentheses, I think Arena does too, but I never played it. I played Daggerfall obsessively when I was around 14 to 15, but never actually beat it because it's incredibly buggy and the main story quests break constantly. Also, the dungeons are literally like trying to navigate a nightmare. I was so happy when I first read that Morrowind wasn't going to be procedurally generated. You don't even know. Hmm. That, that adds like some interesting texture to it. Like if the idea to omit fast travel, I mean, I, obviously it was a design consideration, mm-hmm. but if it wasn't just a technical limitation or like an innovation limitation, mm-hmm. like that cast like a really interesting shade on it. Yeah. You know, and, and part of it I think is like, we have a world that's worth exploring now. <laughs> How do we get people to explore it? We make them. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, I still maintain that like a, I would want a Lord vessel. Yep. Like there should have been a Lord vessel half. Like as soon as you become the the horator or whatever, let me teleport between all cities. Right. Um, yeah, but that, that's thank you, uh, thank you, Sam. Um, some some mod recommendation follow up. Uh, Luke Smith via Facebook says, "I hope it's not too late to add this to the list of essential mods for your playthrough." Sadly, it is. Um, <laughs> but keep up the good work. Uh, hashtag mod life. Hashtag essential. Hash, uh, hashtag I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> um, it's weird. I don't know uh, where I pulled that out before this because I, I didn't see this. <laughs> Nor do I. So this huh. this mod did you did you look at the video? Did you see this on no. Facebook? This mod replaces all sounds in Morrowind with Tim Allen's. Oh, the, I think I did hear about that, but not from this link. Okay, that's great. Um, that is an essential mod. So it's it, uh, the, watch the video. It's nigh unplayable in that forum because even your footsteps are. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it really adds to the gravity of like the situation. Uh, yep. Like, <laughs> but um, it's like you started the game, and uh, the, the 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 you know Jabber, whoever you're in that room with, uh, is talking to you. Is one of the few voiced characters. Um, he opens his mouth and it just goes. <laughs> I, I will watch that video yeah. immediately after it, we're done recording it hits hard yeah that sounds awesome look for that in the show notes yeah. um brian pitt writes in via facebook to say if the samey dialogue of morrowind npcs bothers you the lg npc mod uh gives everyone covered uh, sorry, the, this mod gives everyone covered by it unique dialogue, uh, so you can ask random passers-by about their complicated backstories or little hints. It also adds a lot of quests, like the PAX Redoran one especially, adding something like 60 quests to House Redoran, including quests that take into account that you'll actually be the Archmaster at some point and theater- theoretically get to make some decisions about the future of the house. No, that's neat. Yep. I mean, I kind of part of me like does wish that like a lot of the issues that we had with the game probably did get addressed, mm-hmm. you know, because we're not such special and unique snowflakes that like our criticisms are somehow new right. of this game. Like, I'm sure other people have played Morrowind and thought like, boy, I'm sick of gathering ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, but like since we we're doing it for the show, like as an artifact, I felt like we need to keep it kind of close to its original form. Yeah. But ultimately, it's maybe not that damning to the game because it's been answered. Right. You know, these 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 things have been shored up. Mm-hmm. And that feels especially resonant, at least, you know, recently with like, what does it mean to release a game in a box? Yeah. Right. Like it's effectively meaningless now, but that may or may not have been the case, at least for the past 12 to 15 years. Yeah. And this game is so is so resonant with people that like, you know, there are modding things that have happened that would not have been able to happen during this game's maybe natural lifespan. Mm -hmm. Like there are still people making cool mods for it now. Right. Um, So it kind of has that, that additional legs to it. To where it is effectively immortal, 
in a way most games are not. Right. So, um, box or no. Um, yeah, pretty neat. Like that does sound like I would, I would enjoy that. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I could also find that being overwhelming. We're like, now I have to talk to everybody. <laughs> um, you know, um, so uh, we're on to uh, specific responses. Uh, Jordan says by contact, the Telvani are the best faction. And I will tell you why one, they are asshole wizards Two, They are massive xenophobes who want nothing to do with the mainland or anyone else. Seems like a negative to me. Uh, <laughs> three, they are literal slaveholders because they're assholes. Again, um, Four, actually, they don't like each other. Five, you can join them and live, at a, live as a hermit in a big mushroom, being a racist asshole wizard who finds joy in nothing. <laughs> this is not a faction which in any way represents my real-life user ideology. I just appreciate a fantasy setting that shows wizards as they should be. Assholes. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I think if I, if I was a wizard, I'd probably be a little bit of an asshole. Well, you'd have to be. Yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to get by. I mean... Let's be fair. The Telvanni stronghold is probably the best because it is a mushroom house. Yeah. Um, and just let let us remind ourselves: these are the faction that don't build stairs in because obviously you're going to levitate if you're worth talking to. Yeah, which again, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I just yeah, the xenophobia uh, slaveholding stuff yeah. <laughs> rubs me the wrong way. Like that's I don't I don't tend to go for slave fantasies in my games. I do appreciate that this is how wizards would actually be. Right. I like the idea of like a game where like you weren't necessarily part of that, like a game world where this is what wizards were, but they weren't uh, player character choice. Right. You know, like this is like, what would a world be like really with these guys? Because this is insanely like, po- this would be a crazy power imbalance. Right. You know, like having the Telvani in this world would be massively destructive mm-hmm. <laughs> to the world. When you can see that on the entire East coast. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's crazy that they don't take over essentially the whole continent. I mean, you know, yeah. I guess, uh, but for the grace of uh, Vivek. Right. Uh, huh. Uh, so continuing, Paul Mum writes in via contact, Marwin's backstory is one of the most historically literate and nuanced I've come across. History grad students can recognize their own, and I'm positive that someone at Bethesda either has an academic background or is otherwise well-versed in the vagaries of pre-modern history. While some of the game's cultures are simple pastiche, like the Roman Imperials or Scandinavian Nords, Morrowind has a culture that is both utterly alien while adhering to certain recognizable historical trends. You guys have brought up the Dunmer being analogs to the Jews, but I don't really see it beyond a shared belief in the coming Messiah. The Ashlanders feel more Turkic or Mongolian than anything, and the settled Dunmer don't map to any culture I can think of. When the Lord does take historical cues, uh, it does does so with a light hand. The world's creation myth has a Gnostic flavor to it, with the human races celebrating their existence in the physical world, with the elves bemoaning their separation from the divine source through the tr- uh, through the trickery of Lorcan, essentially the demiurge. Uh, this would be interesting in itself, uh, if a bit simple, but the Dunmer depart from this model by worshiping their ancestors and the Daedra, uh, those divine powers who refuse to take part in creation and have no real-life mythological counterpart. The imperial strategy of grooming a potential Nereverine to serve their interests is a classic example of state-sponsored pretender to a foreign throne, like Prince Jem the Turk or the False Dimitri, a Polish-sponsored pretender who was famously shot out of a cannon back to his homeland. Is it metal, Gary? That is really metal. Huh. <laughs> History is great. Um, what sets Morrowind apart is the, uh, from this trope is the possibility that you may or may not truly be the, prof- uh, the prophesied hero uh, and may or may not choose to serve imperial interest in either case. 
Uh, the deification of the Almsivy Tribunal and the reorientation of Dunmer religion away from Daedra worship is an original premise, but it articulates according to real-life trends in religion. The three good Daedra are not denied by the tribunal. Rather, they are integrated into the new faith as anticipations of living gods. Just as in real life, it is easier to co-opt existing traditions than to eliminate them entirely. I fucking yeah. love our fans, Gary. Yeah, that's good, good job, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, on point. Like, I can't argue with any of that because all of it's smarter than me. So Yeah, yeah those, those are things I do not know about history. Yeah. Um, but I will look them up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that is just a, the early on in that. Um, yeah, undeniably, there's somebody who they, they have an interest in. Uh, the people who made this game have an interest in, in history and, and kind of literature and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it gives it gives one hope as a, uh, a liberal arts oriented yeah. uh, person. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that kind of thing, there's a place for that kind of thing in a, in a more uh, kind of technically demanding field. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you very much, Paul. Um, Randall says, by contact. <clears throat> Marwin is at its best when you're rambling along back roads under the deep violet skybox and listening to the strings of the overworld theme. And at its worst, when you're just trying to get from point A to point B and you didn't pick the steed as your sign. Speed is one of your main attributes and athletics as a major skill. I also think Fashion Souls is strangely satisfy is a strangely fast, uh, satisfying pastime in Morrowind. Everything kind of looks like shit, but I love that you can wear robes over your armor and pauldrons over your robes. My mage looks as badass as a character can get in under a hundred polygons. It took me a while to recognize that clothing and armor were separate. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It has huge uh, uh, consequences with enchanting. Yep, like that. That's something they took out of the later games where you just had to like bare back the steel armor um you know which i I, does seems like a recipe for tetanus to me um but like yeah this one you can have like fortify blankety blank blink blank clothing under your your badass armor yeah really easily um so pretty neat brian writes in via contact saying life is much easier in morrowind if you're rich it turned out that most of my problems could be solved with with kind words and money Taking speechcraft as a major skill, I admired or bribed my way up to 80 to 85 points of disposition with almost everyone I talked to. This netted me a wealth of hints, better prices, generally easier quest solutions. Uh, This wasn't the only use for my stash of Imperial Septums, though. House leader or Ashlander chief doesn't like you? Give him some money! Skills aren't up to stuff? Buy yourself some training. Dungeon loot not cutting it in the early game? Time to go shopping, but first bribe that merchant so he can give you better prices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that is yeah. the solution to many problems, as in real life. With the the obnoxious way that the leveling up system works, which I realized, like I, I said, I was going to like spend a bunch of time talking about, but really, I think we just kind of flitted around it for three episodes. Yeah. Um, but I think the level up system is really dumb yeah. in this game. Um, it meant that once I money was no object, if anyone could train me in anything, I would just take it. Right. Like if I talked to someone and they had training as an option, I would just sit there and grind out training for a little bit, mm-hmm. just because it would improve my stats. Yeah. And, um, and also, if it wasn't one of your major or minor, you know, skills, it had no consequence. Exactly. Yep. Well, um, it did have a than, consequence. It would affect whatever stat you got next. But in yeah, reality, but in a good way, like it would, in fact, because you want to get, you know, that certain number of like skills pumped up so you can get those plus five modifiers on your stats mm-hmm. as opposed to, uh, you know, so if there are stats that were not governed by one of my major or minor skills, if I wanted to increase, increase them at all, which I had to because fucking advancement in guilds, <laughs> you know. Like, oh, you like wisdom, huh? Fuck you. Yep. Um, I don't. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was that was an obnoxious thing. But yeah, I, I ended up becoming that way with uh, with money as well. Is there a game other than Torment where wisdom is like a make or break skill? 
Um, like it ends up being useful in all the D and D variants mm. because you you know if you're a cleric, or a yeah. divine caster of any kind. Okay. Um, yeah, and also just uh, uh, to balance out some of the sugar that I've talked about Oblivion during these episodes. Uh, how long has it been since you thought about how stupid fucking speechcraft is in Oblivion? <laughs> Uh, not too long because they talked about it a great deal, uh, a great length um, in uh, video games hot dog recently. Okay, it's yeah. dumb. Yep. Did, did they think it was dumb as well? Because it's dumb. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Like they had to have multiple multiple people write in to explain exactly how it worked, and none of the answers were satisfactorily. Yeah. You know, it 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 makes no sense at all, and it is such a gross, like dumb simulacrum of like human conversation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna joke with you, but then when you're right off guard, I'm gonna insult you and then bribe you a little bit. It's, you know, like, it's like the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really like you're just tossing out fucking bribing eggs. Oh, it's it's fucking dumb. Yep, <laughs> is the worst. I can't remember how they did it in Skyrim. I think it's just like a flat roll. Yeah, I think they 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 made it more similar to Fallout in that yeah. regard. Yeah, but Marwan does that pretty well, I think. Yeah. So. Yep. Um. Let's see here. What does Dylan say? Uh, Dylan says, uh, "I started out having fun with Marwan, but eventually got tired of getting lost." So I turned to my true calling, murder and theft. Once my wizard was loaded down with booty, I had difficulty finding a merchant with enough gold to buy it all. So I went to the internet, and I found out what looked uh, to be a playground rumor of a mud crab merchant with deep pockets. After a while, I found a map uh, with his location clearly marked, so I pulled on my boots of infinite levitation and set off. I fully expected it to be a hoax, uh, so you should have seen my face when I found the wealthy little mud ball. For that alone, I will always remember Marwin fondly. Um... I didn't, we didn't talk about this guy. I read about him, but didn't use him. Right. Uh, I was a real creeper, man. <laughs> yeah. um, when it came to my, my, cause he was just more conveniently located. Oh, the scamp in Caldera. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> named, named creeper. Who's like creeper. Like he he says, it's really <laughs> awesome stuff. I've been <laughs> creeping all day. Like <laughs> that guy's great. <laughs> Does he at one point say, I'm going to be here all week. Yeah, he, he's like, I'm Creeper. I'll be here all week. Um, but it, since I was kept doing the thing where I would buy all of his stuff to give him money and then sell it and kind of increase his money by 5000 at a time, yeah. it was useful that he was next to an inn. So yes. that's why I used him instead of the mud crab guy. Oh, I just I just waited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like standing around waiting yeah, for his bank drop. I'll just, <laughs> just, I'll just wait for his direct deposit to come in. Yep. Going to get his pay stub in the mail. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you did you find this mud crab guy though? No, no, I didn't. So yeah, I just I just read about him. I didn't feel like traveling to Azura's beach or whatever. Yeah, it's way out there. Yeah. Um the the what that merchant thing is really obnoxious, even though that's one of the things that Tribunal does that's really cool, is that there's a museum that will buy artifacts oh. from you. They have a maximum value of thirty thousand septums. Oh. But they will give you thirty thousand septums for this big endgame equipment hmm. that you don't want. Yeah. Um if it if it has like a story behind it. So that was really cool. That's why I ultimately ended up selling um, Umbra Sword. Okay. Too. When I was when I took my little tribunal vacation to read that play. <laughs> the vacation where you were, yeah. You know, yeah, I attempted murdered. to be murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Gerald writes in via contact saying, Morrowind is probably my favorite game of all time. You guys have already sung its praises and rightfully decried its flaws, so I won't rehash any of that. Instead, I'll tell you about how I eventually modded the ever-living fuck out of it. I downloaded fonts to change all of the letters into Daedric, road signs, menus, books, everything. Consequently, I learned how to read Daedric. 
Whoa! Yep. Uh, that opened up the world even more. Far from being gibberish, all of the writing on the banners and clothing means something. I had a farmhouse in Pel- uh, Pelagiad uh, that was decorated with trophies and items for my journeys. I had a library that I set by hand. Every person I killed, I made a small shrine for after they died. The problem came uh, when it was time to move. <laughs> now, a smart person would have just console commanded in God mode and picked up everything since weight didn't matter. I was not a smart person. I had to make multiple trips from my first home in Balmora all the way, <laughs> sorry, all my <laughs> possessions piled high on a pack guar uh, and lead him all the fucking way to Pelagiad. Uh, it took about two real days of playing after school <laughs> to accomplish this. Um, I turned the game into a Roman Empire and fought rebellious Celts right to the gates of their hill fort. I found a mod that would let me fire a matchlock gun and become a musketeer. I went through a full playthrough. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I went through a, a full playthrough once after intentionally giving myself modded tuberculosis because a character I played on a forum RP on the t- uh, the Elder Scrolls forums had it. Then I found the even bigger mods: Tamriel Rebuilt, Silgrad Tower. Arkwend added even more hours to my playthrough. I went down the rabbit hole for a few years in high school. I'm better now and don't devote nearly the same amount of time to games and don't do a bunch of the weirder things. I've never been engaged so much as I was with Morrowind. I still smile when I hear the opening notes of the theme. I know more than any responsible adult should know about the lore of a video game. It just makes me sad that the follow-up Elder Scrolls games haven't been as unique and weird. More games need Michael Kirkbride uh, working or, sorry, working on them. I think that was the guy who yeah. wrote the, the thing, Michael Kirkbride. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Yep. That's <laughs> like the, the, the learning a language thing, like I, I always thought like in the back of my mind as, as a young nerd growing uh-huh. up, like I always thought like, man, I could learn Klingon. Like I could learn Elvin. That's uh-huh. a thing that people can do. Yep. Um, I just never did it. But I, I don't know Spanish. Like I didn't I didn't learn, <laughs> you know, terrestrial tongues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the mundane tongues of Terra. Of man. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Mother Terra of Gaia. The Yeah. The reality goddess. I got, um, I got pretty good at recognizing uh, Denis characters from Mist games. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was going to ask about that because yeah. it, it seems like there's a little bit of a you know kind of a similar thing. Yeah. I can recognize all the the runes now in in Binding of Isaac Rebirth, hmm. but I don't think they you know that's just a symbol for a word. It's not learning another language, right? Um, and a lot. Of, this is interesting too because this is there's a lot of modding kind of between the lines in this response. Because mm-hmm. even like uh, placing all the books, mm-hmm. like that had to be a thing you modded in. Yeah, personally, uh, like that's not something you do in the vanilla game. I don't know about the pack wars either. Yeah, pack wars, um, and then obviously the you know the stuff with the pistol and everything. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty rad, and it is cool that this game does have. You know, it will keep on giving. Like Nick uh, uh, was talking to him about this, and it was, I think he was talking about this game where he was talking about Oblivion, where he's like, I keep trying to play that, but I don't end up playing it because the game is modding it. Yeah. And he just like spends like, you know, he's like, I'm going to play a Morrowind, sits down and like figures out all the best mods, reads about all the cool stuff you can do, yeah. installs them and gets them to work and then doesn't play it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which like there is that that is a viable option. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why I love that pack that I use, the Morrowind Reconstructed or whatever. Just yeah. because it was a it was a big pack that you could turn stuff off and on. Yeah, and it's like a done in one kind of thing. It was relatively simple. Yeah, to use. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, not nuts in a bad way. 
Yeah. Um, but that is that is just a, it is extreme. Yeah. Um, Jesse says via contact, um, having voiceover only for the dialogue of the Daedra lords and other supernatural beings makes it really powerful when you suddenly hear an actual voice booming around you. The very exploitable alchemy, enchanting, and other magic-related skill mechanics let you feel super badass when in the end game you have permanent night eye or invisibility or levitation. The weapons are cool. The outfits are cool. The environments are cool. The enemies are cool. <laughs> I can only hope that the people behind Skywind, who are recreating Morrowind in the Skyrim engine, are successful in their efforts so I can spend another couple hundred hours in Morrowind. Yeah. I don't like, I think that my heart's been broken too many times on fan efforts to, to hold out much yeah. hope for that. Yeah. I think that isn't the, um, the, the, the Morrowind Oblivion one yep. got done though. Did it? Yeah. I, I think that like only parts of it are. Oh, I, I guess I don't know. Yeah. It's for just, sure. and then that, uh, what is it that, uh, Half-Life one isn't done either. Right. Black right? Like they haven't done Zen. Yeah. 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 And, and so like, it's, it's a little bit of a, okay, it's not a little bit of a bummer. It's kind of a big bummer that just each of these efforts are being outstripped by the actual studio putting out new content. Yeah. Which it's not their fault because these are professionals who are on a budget and a timeline, whereas people volunteering their efforts are, are not. Um, but, uh, you know, just the fact that there is a Mario Oblivion and a sky Bl- or a, a Skywind or whatever yeah. is, uh, it's a little, it's a little bit of a, you know, yeah, it came out while they're waiting for the, the first one. To come yeah. Out. yeah. I was, I thought for sure that the, um, translation of retro game challenge two was never going to come out. Mm-hmm. And then that came out over the summer, which was super cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, fan translations don't actually happen. Right. So yeah, that's a bummer. But it'd be cool if it, they got done. I don't know if I would necessarily like. I would. I would definitely check it out and kind of read up on it and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily, you know, <laughs> want to play through the main quest of Morrowind again. Yep. Okay. But some of these other mods sound interesting to me. Okay, next you know, year, Gary Skywind. <laughs> yeah, Skywind. Like that's it's our annual winter going through Morrowind. <laughs> yep. Which is in a different engine with different mods. <laughs> next year, Tribunal. <laughs> um. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So, uh, is this me? Yeah. Jenny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenny says via contact and we're moving on to just people talking about their experiences. Um, as we said, this is a long, uh, episode. Yeah. Um, Jenny says, uh, Marwin blew me away on a conceptual level when I realized that unlike every other game I've played where you, uh, there were interactive gameplay objects and non-interactive decorative objects. This game just had objects. So you could do whatever you wanted to them, even steal them. I was used to a grind slash reward system where you had to save up your rupees if you wanted that cool looking alchemy set. But in Morrowind, I could skip all that by lurking around a shop for 20 minutes, trying to find the exact right pixel to stand on so the shopkeeper couldn't see me. Thus began my life of petty crime. I stole every book and candle I came across because they're cool, not as a bell book and candle candle reference. That is a Jimmy Um, Stewart romantic comedy, by the way. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, moved them into my apartment, which was the second floor of a house whose owners I had noticed uh, never went upstairs. So I was like, okay, I live here now. It had its own entrance, uh, which I bet a lot of the NPCs saw me going in and out of, but no one gave me shit about it or asked me to pay rent. So I kept filling the place up with candles and dry paper objects, mostly piled up on my only table. If the physics engine had accounted for flammability, I probably would have burned the whole town down. Um, I have such fond memories of this game uh, that I tried playing it again not long ago and had to shut it down because everyone, my character especially, suffered from a terrible, terrible case of Bethesda face. <laughs> how awesome would it be if like each building kept track of how much of your shit was in it and if you if you just loaded it up, you know, against the wall, right? All of mm-hmm. a sudden you got like a bill for rent. <laughs> just like <laughs> it, it noticed right? that you were taking up residence here. That is very funny. I like the idea this uh, this idea of squatting and somebody is this um is this Jenny Plodna? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I thought so. Like, I, I recognize Jenny's writing style. Uh-huh. Uh, hi, Jenny. Um, the uh, Yeah, that, that is that is very funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Squatting. <laughs> Squatting Morrowind. Yep. Uh, also, the flammability thing. Morrow cry, too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Procedural Morrowind. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed, colon, Morrow Cry 2. <laughs> Procedural jungle. Retribution. With a maniac who lives in it. Retribution. <laughs> um, Chase Greenlee writes in via Facebook. Hey, Chase. Uh, the, summer I, the summer I got my original Xbox, I spent more time than strictly healthy exploring crypts and becoming a werewolf. Uh, while I spent time with games before Pokemon, Zelda, and Harvest Moon being the previous kings of my time, uh, nothing has since come close to Morrowind and its sequels. Open world, a totally breakable spell system, and player housing made it, made this a favorite of mine for years to come. Oh, and fuck cliff racers. Everybody hates them cliff racers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sipping, up mm-hmm. on the, sipping up on the haterade. Yep, I'm with you, though. Yeah. You know uh, what? I, I I don't think we talked about this. I think that the cliff racers are there to discourage exactly what we do, which is levitating across the entire map. Yeah. Yeah, but that's dumb. Yep. <laughs> like that, that like yes, that's true. But I don't want to walk through the fucking stormlands. Uh-huh. Because the and also the cliff racers are there anyway. Uh-huh. If I just walk across the ash storm, like yep. I'm still gonna get attacked by cliff racers. Yeah. Um yeah, that that that's unfortunate. They really want you to explore for just walk around. Yeah. But I don't even do that in real life. I just, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so Evan goes on to say by contact. Uh, when Morrowind came out in 2002, I had played games like Final Fantasy VII and Chrono Trigger. But Morrowind is the first game that made me feel like I was an agent in the world and not just a passenger on the plot train. Bethesda patched so, packed so much detail into every corner that it really did feel like I was a proper explorer and archaeologist, sifting through the ruins or braving the ghost wall in search of weirdness. Whether it's the secrets of the Komonotong, the drug, ha- drug habits of the local politician, or the very source of the tribunal's divinity, if I I had questions, Morrowind allowed me the freedom to discover the answers, and that's why I love it. I also got to kill God, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You got to kill God in all those JRPGs, too, man. Yep. That's like that their thing. That, that's, that's totally their thing. <laughs> but this, this is actually, you know, you're not supposed to. Right. Which is, which is uh, if you're talking about killing uh, Vivek, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty rad. Yeah. Take out there also counts, I think, too. Yeah. 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 You kill so many gods. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I'll get down with. Um, yeah. Craig writes in via contact saying, Morrowind is a serious contender for my favorite game ever. I love the imaginative world, so strange and mysterious. Once I learn the systems in the game, it's pretty easy to break. Using the mark and recall spells along with the scamp or talking mud crab merchants, my first order of business on any playthrough is to raid the Redoran treasury vaults to become obscenely wealthy. Then, abusing the enchanting and soul trap mechanics, uh, creating sets of constant effect stat boosting armor and massively powerful magic weapons and spells i still love the game and find myself going back to it uh time and time again despite the obtuse old school game systems yep all things that i like as well in there um ian says via contact uh morrowind was the wow of its day the world was one of the first fully realized open worlds i had ever seen and even though my computer was running at 15 to 20 frames per second with heavy fogging effects i couldn't get enough but 15 hours in, you start to realize that there are a few quests that are all that interesting, but much like WoW, I couldn't stop playing even though it was turning into a huge grind. I remember trying to explain the game to a friend at work and trying to justify it as, the game is boring or repetitive, but I can't stop playing it for some reason. <laughs> Sentiments that would later be repeated between me and my brother over our WoW addiction. Uh, this is a game I would love to see come out on iOS, the kind of game uh, you just want to pop in for 15 minutes and wander around. I, I can't get behind that. 
Yeah, I think that would be very like the interface would be un undoable. Mm -hmm. If like if you did this like here's an idea, take this and strip out all of the combat from it and mm -hmm. just have a iOS app that was Explore Vardenfell. Yeah, where you can read books by tapping on them mm -hmm. and talk to people. Yeah, that I can get behind. That would be pretty rad. Yeah. But like the combat and stuff and, and all those things would be a little too difficult. I, I agree. Think. Yeah, just give you a mission to like circumnavigate the island. Yeah, you know, or even not a mission, just like. Make your own, make your own missions like yeah. that. You know, lift up books and create your own house and stuff. But just make <laughs> it a big toy. Like, right. um, you know, what kind of surprisingly works pretty well on iOS. Um, I've I've decided that like for games that like I gave a chance to that I didn't end up liking, but I kind of want to try. I'm gonna wait for them to come out on iOS so I can play them in bed and on buses and shit. Um, Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, which like I never got very. I got like ten hours into it or twelve hours into it and. Yeah. It didn't get very any further than that because I don't really like Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But I started playing on iOS and like it totally works. Nice. Like kind of surprisingly, like they did a really good job with the touch controls of that. Yeah, I could see that. That's a good yeah. game. Yeah. So far, I mean, I'm enjoying it more than I did when I first played it by ignoring that it's Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you, you, so, can, you can effectively do that. It's just yeah. a space fantasy. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just point. pretending there's no no Star Wars at all, and I'm I'm, I'm digging it. So <laughs> yeah. Neat. Uh, Jeffrey Lawton, patron, patron saint of podcast fans. Yeah, Gio. <laughs> yeah, uh, writes in via contact saying... Oh, Je Jeffrey sent me a postcard. Oh, did he? Yeah, for Christmas. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. Oh, nice. And he sent me another postcard as well, but I, I haven't gotten a chance to thank him for it. I forgot. Oh. I apologize for that, but thank you, Gio. Neat. He says, If you always take the Silt Striders to get around the world, you'll probably miss my favorite quest in the game, where you escort a merchant to Vivek with his pack guar, Rolly. Um, the merchant is pretty forgettable, but I remember Rolly. I remember Rolly. That is a great book title. <laughs> um, uh, you have the option to talk with him and get responses like Rolly is deep in thought and Rolly looks like he's about to say something, but thinks better of it. It's a simple escort quest, but memorable because the people who made Morrowind had an amazing attention to detail. It's a huge world that rarely seems empty or devoid of things to do or explore. Oddly, part of Morrowind's charm for me is its inaccessibility. Without non-diegetic fast travel, quest markers, or level scaling, Morrowind is a huge, confusing, and dangerous world. I spent just about as much time running from sign to sign trying to find my way as I did fighting or doing any actual quests, and wandering into the wrong cave or ancestral tomb could go bad really quickly. Even though, even though I know it's all based on stat and dice rolls, it's satisfying to be able to see my progression in my character, and finally being able to conquer a dangerous place I could never dream of walking into before, compared to Skyrim, where everything is roughly the same difficulty relative to your character skill. All this adds up to a really satisfying, immersive experience. Yeah, I, th I think we talked about this in the first episode, but like... System-wise, my favorite thing that Morrowind has over its sequels is that kind of like leveled enemies and leveled areas, I think, is a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can actually stumble into a meat wall, mm -hmm. that's like, that's a really valuable gaming experience. Right. Like, I'm not supposed to do this yet. Never discourages me. It just fills me with curiosity for when I'm able to do it. Right. And eliminating that has always seemed like a dumb idea mm -hmm. to me, which is kind of where the series went. Like, I like, I also like how dangerous the world is and the idea of like taking a wrong turn can actually fuck you over yeah. so much of stories about change right and that is a very like that is a way to lean on the mechanics to make you feel like this way that you've grown mm -hmm. right yeah i like that a lot so i i think that you know dark souls wouldn't be the same without the graveyard right there mm -hmm. you know and uh and the, one of the things like when we we do uh, lords of the fallen there's a couple areas like that in lords of the fallen too mm. which that made me happy 
Like it's nice. not a great game, but it was nice to have this like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here yet. That's <laughs> why this is awful. Right. Um, that is that is great. And they them eliminating that from Skyrim and Oblivion is a big mistake. Right. Um, Shane says via contact. Um, I spent a summer in Vardenfell once, and it was wonderful. Morrowind can be a lonely place, but what made this trip so special was that a friend came with me for the ride. I purchased Morrowind on a whim five or six years ago from a local retail outlet. It was marked down at $10, and the tagline, Live Another Life, appealed to me, so I figured I couldn't lose. I had no idea how true the tagline would turn out to be. After installing it and playing for a bit, uh, Paul, my good friend and roommate, came home and was very excited to see that I purchased the game. Apparently, he had a copy on Xbox when he was a kid and was a fan, so he acted as my guide. At some point, Paul made a character also, and this is when our vacation started. For over a month, we lived another life in Morrowind. Literally, all our free time went into the game. Even though we were playing two separate games on two separate computers, Paul and I would give each other hit tips while we played. Uh, we would give leads uh, to out-of-the-way dungeons or loot that the other person could use. In fact, oftentimes, one of us would look up things on the Morrowind wiki while the other one was playing, giving details on quests and enemies to be encountered. Even though Morrowind is traditionally a solitary experience, in this way it felt like both of us were on a sort of vacation, exploring this mysterious land together. Vacations are temporary, though, and this one in the far corners of Tamriel had to end eventually. I eventually drifted away from the game after I maxed out Lando, my gadget thief, uh, who literally had so much gold I left it in giant piles of a thousand on the dining room table in his house. This stack eventually reached the ceiling. Lando also had a hundred acrobatics, so he could literally jump over buildings. <laughs> um, I recently talked about this summer with Paul, and he remembers it equally fondly. It, I've never been able to get into Morrowind again or any of the Elder Scrolls titles, but it doesn't matter because I'll always have the memories of a wonderful summer vacation I spent with a good friend. These memories are as real and cherished as any of the others I have about vacations where I actually left the house. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's charming. Yeah. Taking it from single player to multiplayer. Yeah, and it is fun to play games with people. Yeah. Like that, like having, you can just play a single player game with somebody else in the room. Like that is something that I don't really do anymore, but I have a lot of fond memories yeah. of doing that mostly with my friend, uh, Derek. Mm -hmm. So nice. Not everybody's positive though about mm -hmm. this whole thing. And, uh, this next little category is about Morrow and criticisms, right? Sam writes in via contact saying, I tried oblivion a few years ago and it didn't stick. I wandered right into the wilderness doing samey thieves and goblins caves with uninspired action mechanics. Morrowind smartly starts out in a town which encourages interacting with people and their stories. The strength of the series is on immediate display. It's basically a novel with choose-your-own-adventure side quests, kind of a precursor to the modern Bioware game. Still, the action in Elder Scrolls games is decidedly second-rate, and I'm curious to see what these games would look like with a doubling down on choice and interactivity instead of the vast sea of action mechanics that are ultimately boring. I'd be curious about that, too. Me, too. Like, I, I don't think that's what they're about. Like, I think that that won't happen, but it's a cool idea. I think that that's, that's going into what we were saying before, like, just kind of asking the game to be something it's not. Mm -hmm. That might be more in line with, like, traditional games that I like. Um, but, yeah, I agree for the most part. Like, I end up, like, I like Oblivion and I like Morrowind a lot. But, like, yeah, yeah the action is no good. Agreed. Um, yeah, Gordon says by contact. I think most of the actual gameplay in the Elder Scrolls games is just plain bad. You do have a tiny sweet spot of interesting play between being helpless and being an invincible god emperor, but honestly, who cares? It's the feeling of exploration and discovery uh, that Morrowind allows that has never been bettered. For example, I would happily go on a pilgrimage to see all the shrines for little to no mechanical reward because it was genuinely a little like going on a world tour and going sightseeing. I got to see amazing places and fascinating people and then rob them blind because the other part of the game is building up a dragon's horde in the abandoned mansion in Balmora. 
A big reason why this worked is that the world strayed away from the tired standard fantasy setting and actually used imaginative designs which emphasized the local history and cultural makeup of the area. One particularly nice touch is that most of the Telvanni mushroom mage towers are inaccessible unless you are able to magically fly, perfectly capturing the arrogance of the Telvanni with their uh, uh, with their very architecture. There was even a little bit of the passive storytelling that we love in Dark Souls so much, like the little packs of skooma hidden away in someone's house or a few cultist candles secreted away in the basement. The big letdown in the world design is the city of Vivek. There's so much there that's great, such as the giant, uninha- uh, giant inhabited moon, the ordinators, and the intrigue, but the Canton-based design wound up being very repetitive, difficult to navigate, and extremely tedious to get from one location to another. I remember reading that a lot of the design decisions about the Cantons were down to development and hardware constraints, but it feels just like it would have been a better location with a few more concessions to actually navigating the place. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, Vivek is disappointing as a capital city. Like they, I, I understand that they couldn't have put as much detail into it with, uh, um, you know, actually having to account for sight lines and stuff and rendering. But uh, boy, it's yeah. just a bunch of hallways. Yeah, it is very hallway-y. Dan writes in via contact saying, I have kind of a complicated relationship with the Elder Scrolls series as a whole, but more so with Morrowind. I played Oblivion a little bit before, having bought the ultimate all the DLC edition off of Steam for like $2, and was slightly curious about the older games. Not wanting to waste money on something that I didn't think I'd play much, I borrowed a copy of Morrowind and Silent Hill 2 from a friend of mine for the original Xbox and set aside some of my isolation weekends for powering through at least one of them. At my friend's insistence, I started with Morrowind, and frankly, to this day, I still resent that a bit. The intro confused me a bit more than I should ha- than it should have, uh, just dropping you on a boat with no real explanation of what you're doing or anything. And the janky early-ish 3D graphics managed to give me a second migraine. Uh, sorry, managed to give me the second migraine I'd ever had. The first was playing EverQuest 2 near launch. Burn. I- <laughs> <laughs> um, I gritted my teeth and bucked in uh, to try and sorry and buckled in to try and see what my friend saw in the game and managed to actually get into the intro town with a bare bare idea of what I was supposed to do. Unfortunately, I was stymied there and just wandered town wandered around town before meeting my demise uh, in some kind of tower after I just tried to take something. Um, it was at this point that I said, screw this, texted my friend to tell him that I didn't like Morrowind and ignored my phone for the rest of the weekend. The frustration I felt carried me over into playing Silent Hill 2, uh, and also made me quit that game 10 minutes in for no reason. That's too bad. Um, I read things about the game now and then, and I think that at least like, I think that I would at least like to try Morrowind again. Uh, but then I remember how the first time I tried it, uh, felt and I shudder a little bit. Just try both those games again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think there, there's like a, there's a similarness though, where they, neither of them really are welcoming mm-hmm. initially, like especially Silent Hill, if you're not a silent or a survival horror, mm-hmm. kind of familiar with the genre or, or a fan of that genre. Yeah. The beginning of that game just feels like wandering around a town kind of aimlessly. Right. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. There, there's something here though about just hearing so many good things about this and then just not seeing the appeal. Right? Yeah. Like, trying to force yourself to like or play something just because it's so well uh, well regarded. Yeah. In a sense that helps, you know, keep your world from being too small, but uh, boy, that actually does breed resentment if it's just not for you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay for it to be not for you, yep. you know, like you don't have to take that apologetic tone. Like there are lots of problems with Morrowind. Mm-hmm. If, uh, if the, that, those are the kind of the games you don't like, then that, that's the kind of game you don't like. However, you should play Silent Hill too. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, that, that's you know I I think that's a better game, um, and also it's just much more manageable too. Like even if yeah. it's not better, 
you know, like it does different things, but in either case, one of them takes 11 hours to fully experience and one of them takes 200 hours to fully experience. Right. So, um, Brenton via contact says, by way of making a less specific comment on Morrowind and more on the Elder Scrolls series as a whole, I've always found Bethesda's games to have serious problems with being economic with their content, prioritizing volume over quality. Morrowind, while having arguably the most interesting of the settings of the Elder Scrolls series has, uh, has given us, is still an inscrutable and frustrating experience unmodded, and the colossal size of the game has never been something I personally found to be conductive to a quality experience. A childhood of few game purchases and an adulthood of anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder has given me an unhealthily frugal attitude when playing open world games. All blood possible must be leached from the stone. Mm. The size of Morrowind is paralyzing to me. Every unfinished quest or unexplored location exacerbating my neuroses to the point of panic. Even though each new quest or encounter is usually a derivative of a situation already encountered, i.e. bring quest object A to NPC, NPC B, uh, the idea of a genuinely enriching encounter being caught in my mental sieve to be missed out on is horrifying. Each Elder Scrolls game I've played, Morrowind included, lies discarded in my pile of unfinished games with the main quest uncompleted, yet with save files uh, cumulatively hundreds of hours long. A shorter and more digestible game not only usually has content of higher quality, but additionally will not trigger my own personal anxieties, leading me to prioritize more linear experiences as a result. The Elder Scrolls and Bethesda's Fallout games are better in smaller chunks than they are as whole products, with bite-sized expansion content, a la Tribunal, often presenting triumphs in design and narrative that highlight the strengths of the development team and the systems that they have built in ways the mainline content does not, devoid of the chaff that makes Morrowind an often exhausting experience. I'm going to use two phrases that I hate. This sounds like a combination of paralysis by analysis and FOMO. I don't know what FOMO is. Fear of missing out. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of FOMO before. Yeah. Be glad. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Now, again, this this just seems like it is is antithetical to your personal makeup, although those are valid criticisms about, you know, quantity versus quality. Yeah. You know what? We know it's interesting. I don't have any of like I agree with a lot of those like kind of negative. Like mm-hmm. I'm a little skeptical of the bigness. I don't have any of those feelings for the 3D fallouts. Oh, yeah. Like I, I like I feel really good about both those games. I think those are smaller yeah. and tighter. Like I was thinking about yeah. that too. Like what what makes me love New Vegas with all my heart? Damn yeah. it. And just feel ambivalent about this and I think that they really learn to focus while still making the world feel big. Yeah. Like I think I think those are better games. Um, you know, and part of it is like part of it is I'm trying to separate that from just my personal like fanboyishness for the series mm-hmm. and then also just my interest in like post-apocalyptic 50s sci-fi. Yeah. Like that's a really cool. And there are areas like where those games get flabby or in some of the DLCs. Mm-hmm. You know, like Mothership Zeta, fuck that shit. <laughs> like it is, you know, that's no good. Um, like though that's when it starts feeling kind of like Bethesda bloat. Mm-hmm. But like I feel like the out of the box campaign for Fallout Three and New Vegas are both like much tighter and more interesting. Right. You know, like there are there are fewer, like there's no guild leaders that are just gonna give you like a list of like there's one person I can think of in in Fallout Three that gives you a litany of quests, and it's like mm-hmm. the Wasteland Survival Guide. Right. Whereas like in in these games, there's like a thousand people who do that. Right. Yeah, I think those are much better. Sorry, I just go on a rant. But I was just no, thinking about like what makes that better for me. It's perfect. I think it. Yeah, it's perfectly apt. I mean, and especially you know on the eve of us finishing our winter Western RPG, like it would make a lot of sense for us to do one of those next year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and if yeah, if we, I mean, if we fucking did Morrowind, we could do New Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Let, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> 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 I'm like. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're our golden Ooh. god we can do anything <laughs> yeah that's like i mean i mean it'd be pretty rad and like yeah. you know we happen to know somebody who had an inn in uh, new vegas <laughs> the uh just saying <laughs> Yeah, we got a guy. We got a guy. Yeah, we got a guy. So, um, but that would be a nice, like, little bit of redemption. Not that, man, every, the longer we record, the, I'm trying to separate, like, <laughs> my feelings of Marwin from my feeling of how sick I am of talking about Marwin. <laughs> yep. Because um, it's like, I do like it. Uh-huh. But just like, man, just listening to these people say these valid criticisms, uh, criticisms of it and everything. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Huh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's funny that we bring that up with uh, Fallout and other Bethesda games because we got some responses that are not strictly about Morrowind, but about where they fit in the entire series, right? Mm-hmm. So we have Jack writing in via contact saying, I played Morrowind for three years, putting in thousands of hours. Is that possible? <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, <laughs> the lack of a working quest log made it seem as if anything were possible and discovering something uh, new every month, uh, sorry, every few months made it seem like I hadn't rung the game dry. By contrast, Skyrim's quest tracker and waypoints made it obvious that I was completely done after a paltry 300 hours. <laughs> <sighs> the scale's out of whack, Gary. We're deranged. Like, in the most base form of the word, we are deranged at this point. A paltry 300 hours? <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I'll continuing. <laughs> Uh, uh, that I was completely done after a paltry 300 hours, forcing me to waste my time on other trivial pursuits, such as learning to draw, training for a 5K, and learning my kids' middle names. (laughs) (laughs) Now I hesitate to start a game if I know it'll take more than 10 hours to finish, so there's that. You and me both, brother. Yeah. (laughs) I I hear you. I love me an eight-hour game. Like, that is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good stuff. That's why I mean I was so into. So I'm so bummed out that Telltale has decided to never touch another property I care about. Right. Because that was so refreshing when it's like, oh, there's a new episode of The Walking Dead or Wolf Among Us. Like, here's a two and a half hour experience as would, a bite. Would you take Minecraft, my friend? Uh, no. <laughs> you saw I, that, I, right? I, yeah, I did see that. I don't care about the story of Minecraft. <laughs> like, been... <laughs> like that's so mad. It makes me mad. Like, I'm kind of interested in the Game of Thrones one just uh-huh. because I know it's good subject material. But like, right. man. Tales from the Borderlands and stories of, from Minecraft. Yep. Comics, guys. I, I think that they just want to make money. Like, that's, yeah. Which is not bad. Like, go ahead. And, and go pe- where the people audience like is. that Borders, Borderlands game. Like, it's not getting panned or anything. Right. It's just I have an aggressive distaste for the lore of Borderlands. Yeah. And the play of Borderlands and the aesthetic of Borderlands and I, the name Borderlands. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit more willing to give, uh, to give it a shot because I don't like the play of Borderlands. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know... I generally trust Telltale, so maybe they're they maybe they will make something good of it, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get it at full price. Like yeah. sub ten dollars, I think is what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'll just, wait for just you to, to hear it so I can yeah. or wait for you to play it and I'll hear if it's yeah. worth it. Just to see if they make something out of it because I, I I'm I'm turned off by the aesthetic as well, but um not as much as I am turned off by the play. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's a very good game. You heard it here first. The hard-hitting, controversial opinions on Watch Out Fireballs. For the, for the 17th time, I think. Yep, yep. <laughs> like, uh, on the record. <laughs> it's another episode of On the Record with Gary Butterfield and Cole Ross. <laughs> Borderlands, not that great. A, Find a, me on Facebook to hear me complain about Cards Against Humanity for <laughs> one week straight. Um, <laughs> so. Again, I, I won't take it away from you. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, if you like that stuff, good on you. Uh-huh. Um, Ryan says via contact. Sorry, that sounds so aggressive. Good on you. <laughs> Damn um, it. Yeah. Good on you. Good on you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan says via contact. I'm currently on my fourth failed attempt to get through Skyrim. On paper, so much about this game seems like something I would love, but I just can't seem to get into it. The things I do like include uh, the open world often looks great and is fun to wander around in. 
Two, the music is awesome. Three, Lydia, the passive-aggressive pack mule. Uh, the things I can't stand are... <laughs> that sounds like a... Uh, Lydia, the passive-aggressive the passive pack mule sounds like a Frank Zappa album. It does. Yeah, like Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention present yeah. <laughs> Lydia, the passive-aggressive pack mule. And it would be a lot of wonky, wanky noises. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Frank Zappa kind of. I'm just cranky from all this recording. Yep. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> Borderlands can suck my dick. Cardigans, humanity. Frank Zappa, you're next. We're circling the drain. <laughs> Yeah, I just, like, I'm so hungry, guys. Um, the things Ryan can't stand. Uh, the boring, repetitive combat. The cookie-cutter quest design. Three, the guard that says, hey, I know you. Sure you do, friend. I'm the guy who stabbed a mythical flying thunder lizard in the head right in front of your lawn yesterday. Jesus. Uh, dragon board. <laughs> More like dragon snore. <laughs> um, anyway, I heard a lot of people say Morrowind is the best in the series and better than Skyrim in a lot of ways. What are the chances I'll enjoy Morrowind if Skyrim is proving to be a drag? Uh, based on the things that you dislike about it, I would say very low. Yeah. Like the boring repetitive combat and cookie cutter quest design is way worse in Morrowind mm-hmm. than it is in Skyrim. Yeah. And you don't have the the modern conveniences cushioning the blow. Yeah, the music is is I like better than the, like the Skyrim music because mm-hmm. um, the Skyrim music eventually became really Teflon-y mm-hmm. for me, um, and it is another open world that is awesome and fun to wander around in. Right. But like, if those things are deal breakers for you, um, they're I think that they're worse than Morrowind. Right. So, Holland writes in via contact, rounding out this epic length uh, extra. Yeah, our longest extra episode. Yeah, uh, saying. I work two full-time jobs and have a four-year-old, so the game, so the gaming free time of my youth has shrunk to how many hours of sleep do I want to trade for insert game here? Because of that, I tend to rely on book club-style podcasts to vicariously experience the majority of titles I have an interest in. WAF's a perfect blend of practical explanation and breakdowns, creative storytelling, and colorful commentary. And then he gives us a quote here. Well, I'm going to go finger Miss Pac-Man now. That's from Abject Suffering, my yes, friends. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, that, that is the podcast in which I fingered Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Several times with gusto. Yeah. That, that, that did not happen in, uh, in Watch Out for Fireballs. It would be a real weird episode of Watch Out for Fireballs. Like. <laughs> so in the end, Metroid Prime has really disappointing lore. I'm off to go finger Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> Like, is that like gonna, gonna be a replacement for like oh he's playing that old saw again it, it'll be the new sign off for the yeah. show <laughs> watch out for fireballs and finger miss pac-man yeah, watch she out earned for, it yeah watch out for finger miss pac-man okay so he continues after that saying it leads to being a fantastic substitute for actually playing a game it's certainly my favorite thanks so, Holland. yeah thank you uh skyrim is one of the games that i tend to keep swapping sleep hours for and also my first experience with the elder scrolls games my friends have hounded me for years to play morrowind but traditional fantasy settings have never been my steez i only played skyrim because it came free with my xbox 360 and i fell in love with it when i found that i could dual wield maces i was level 36 in my one-handed skill before i could e- before i even reached white white run uh, and the legend of lord sausage fingers continues <laughs> to haunt all of skyrim i'm at the point where i'm now willing to play to to try morrowind uh but i know that i will never have time to play so the point of this extremely long-winded email it's to say thanks for doing what you guys do sure it's playing fun video games but playing games recording editing and maintaining a weekly schedule is a hell of a lot of work i just wanted to say that the hard work is greatly appreciated oh thank you Holland. yeah i normally edit that stuff out 
But uh, it's the end of the year or the beginning of the new year. We get a lot of messages like that where people say those things. When we when we don't address that, like I respond in person to all of them that I can um, and forward them to Gary when they're, you know, really good. Um, and, you know, I cut it out of the responses here because, you know, who wants to hear us say nice things about ourselves? But it's really nice when you guys do that. And it definitely hits home as well. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And a lot of people, I like that as a that, that you are a known um, kind of user, I guess, to use a douchey term. Like mm-hmm. we, uh, like I know a lot of people who talk about the show who just say they do it. It kind of takes the place of playing games, mm-hmm. some games for them because they don't have a lot of time. And that's I like that we're able to do that. Yeah, like that's awesome. And uh, you know that is uh, that's part of the point. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and and uh, uh, yeah. So thanks everybody <laughs> for your responses. Um, if at the end of this. Uh, there are things that you still think that we got wrong or didn't cover. Go fuck yourself. No, I'm, I'm, like, I'm just kidding. You don't have to go fuck yourself. At, at this point, um, we've been recording for three hours and 15 minutes. So. Yeah, and and the grand total, I mean, this we maybe have not recorded quite as long as we did for uh, Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. But, like, I played this, you know, played more of this than I did Final I Fantasy VII. double. Double. Yeah. So the, uh, and Final Fantasy VII. Not a short game, right? Um, so the uh, so we you know we appreciate it. you can still you know pop in and and uh, tell us things we yeah. got wrong if you like. I feel like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm willing to stand where we landed on this. Yep. Um, but yeah. if you have things to say about Rock Band, yeah, or Jet Grind Radio, or Brave French or Masashi, that might be a little bit more welcome. Yeah. Um, you can go to <laughs> duckfeed.tv forward slash contact and share your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that that, that would sound like I was being snarky about everybody responding here, and I'm not. No. I'm really happy everyone wrote in. Yeah. Like I, in all genuineness, I'm not just saying mm-hmm. that to like. You know, like I'm very happy everyone did. I'm just yeah. so sick of talking about Morrowind and yep. so sick of recording right at this exact yeah. moment right now. <laughs> I'm not philosophically sick of it in general. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, I, I will continue to reiterate our stance. We are flawed human beings who have an incomplete understanding of this massive work. We are tourists in this world. So if we still got something wrong, please have mercy on us. Correct us where it's applicable or grievous um, and recognize that if it doesn't find in a place in a future extra sode, uh, it has uh, hit home. And uh, we will do what we can to uh, to make it right. We are humble, humble men. Yep, we considered it. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. cool. um, yeah, and then uh, ratings, reviews, uh, all that stuff, all that's great. Patreon.com forward slash Chuck Feed TV. All fantastic uses of your time. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably about it. Watch out for either deleted scenes or fingering Miss Pac-Man. Umbasa. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I figure like we'll have plenty of extra show time. I'll tell you about the because I did a, did a room escape last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. You said you have a story. Yeah, it was cool. Well, that, I mean, that was that was the story. It was just this cool thing I got to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's real neat. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Mink, did you meet Mink at the uh, meetup? Yes. Um, so she put it together. Mm-hmm. It's really really cool. I don't want to. There are like spoilers for it, so I don't want to like yeah spoil it. Uh-huh. Um, it's really really cool. It has this like. Really unique kind of setting um, that's a little bit like Papers, Please. Okay. Like, and, like, like Eastern Bloc kind of thing? Like Eastern Bloc Cold War spy stuff. I'm down. And and you uh, – it's it's really good. It's like the puzzles <laughs> are all really well-crafted. Like we didn't make it, and I'm really – I've it's haunting hmm. Like because we were really close. <laughs> and it's something like a really small percentage of people make it. Like it's a really hard – you know, generally considered to be a pretty hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just – I really thought we were going to make it, and we didn't make it. Yeah. I'm bummed out. Is it a situation like the other room escapes that I've heard about where there is like a meta puzzle that is the actual um, criteria for success aside from just escaping or? Um, You do have like a goal before you escape, Mm -hmm. but it's not 
I don't know how much of it is like a meta. What do you mean by that? Uh, just like um, clues from the solutions of every single puzzle um, come together for like oh, for one, one, big one final puzzle. Yeah, no, or like no, one final is... optional puzzle. No, this is more um, not that I know of because he kind of did the deleted scenes. Like this is what it would have looked like if you would have made it at mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, um, and we were and we were like we were three puzzles away from making it. Like mm. I'm so I'm so mad. <laughs> um, the uh, no, it was more like you kind of. The way that we did it was kind of like swept the room for locks and keys mm-hmm. figuratively like, hey, this interesting object is probably the solution to a puzzle. Hey, this is an input method and then tried to put them together and they often led to another one. Yeah. Um, it wasn't so there wasn't like kind of a grander uh, puzzle. How many people so, are in your group when you do that kind of thing? Uh, eight. OK. So which is kind of too many, I think. Mm hmm. Um, I think like I, I was wondering whether it was like a financial thing because we, we definitely ran into like a, uh, like there were times where the numbers really helped, uh-huh. but the room isn't so big. There's a lot of like stumbling over each other and a lot of like too many cooks. Yeah. Um, which is, I think what, uh, ultimately sunk us is like, <clears throat> we all kind of separated and worked on individual parts of it. And that was really successful and we made really good progress. And then we got stymied at like one roadblock mm-hmm. and then with all of us working on it, it just, it kind of ground to a halt and we just lost a lot of time on something that would have been you know should have been easier than it was mm-hmm. um, and then like the next puzzle was really hard but i think we were on the right track we just didn't have enough time and mm-hmm. then the last two were like breezes like we would i know we would have got them so yeah yeah hmm. um yeah it's cool what was the uh, the set design like i mean it how- really really elaborate Nice. Like, yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Like, it was, uh, it looked very realistic. Like, there were a lot of electronics in play, like mm. 50s Cold War era electronics. <laughs> oh, my God. And a lot that dealt like that. There was a, a set of pneumatic tubes. <laughs> God damn it, uh, Gary. <laughs> like, and then a lot of, like, um, like actual, like, electronics and kind of, you know, puzzles that involved, uh, like, circuitry and stuff like that. Like, there was, God. like, there was a puzzle that was straight up, like, a 999 put these tiles in a certain order and they correspond to different things. Gary, you don't realize that you're having phone sex with me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) uh, Stretch a condom over that pop screen. Yeah. Because you're going to get funny fucked in the ears, but watch out for fireballs, boys. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it was, it was rad. Like, like they, they did a bang up job. I'm going to go, they sent an email that's like the thank you and like, please support us or, you know, write a review on TripAdvisor. Mm -hmm. I'm going to write a, a regular review, I think, because more people should do that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's rules. And like when I was talking to the, the uh, asymmetric guys, Mm -hmm. they were saying how, um, this kind of like ruins, like they've done them before, but this is really, really good. Yeah. So what came out of it, like, man, I'd love to do that again, but I guess this is kind of, (laughs) kind of the gold standard. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I know several people who've done it who didn't make it. Uh-huh. And the asymmetric guys made it. And like if I didn't know somebody who did it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel so bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I just yeah, I just feel like an idiot. Like mm-hmm. I'm not. It's not what happened, but I just feel like it's like Argh! And it's not like you can go back and you know, just Yeah, it, there's there's it, no trying again. There's no nothing. Like that just is diminished. Yeah, it's just it's really a bummer. Like we we did real good for a long time and then just got mm-hmm. this one stupid fucking and not stupid puzzle. It's just like one of those things where it's like and there's kind of a hint system in place. Like you can get get hints, and they just kind of come at intervals when it seems like you're stuck, because you're in like a little room where people are watching you with cameras the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at first, you know, at first I was kind of like, I don't want any hints, but then like it's like, no, I actually want to see more of this thing. So like, you know, I don't mind. But the way that we were stuck was like it reminded me of like um, 
you know, if somebody is doing uh, Pictionary mm-hmm. and you're just like, no, just think of it different. You know, like somebody like yeah, there's no way to guide somebody. Yeah, it's it's dignity. Yeah, exactly. It was like that. Like there was just like, you know, everything he said was what we were doing. We were just doing it in the wrong way. Yeah. And and we're all like game people, too. So it was really tempting to overthink like everything. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were. We were doing a lot oh, of that, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, it, it ruled like it was it was great. Like, I think that it. Everybody should if you if you get a chance if like something like that opens up you should definitely check it out. Yeah, like I'm I'm heartened by the fact that they're kind of spreading across the West Coast, um, mm-hmm. and hopefully in about seven years it'll arrive here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like or, like food carts and public transit. Yep, yeah. <laughs> it's taken more than seven years for public transit to get here. Yeah, I've been fighting for public transit in Cincinnati so for seven your, years. Your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was it's a, it's such a neat just experience mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Like it is it is uh really kind of nerve-wracking and exciting and then like when you find a thing mm-hmm. like oh like I you opened up this this thing and there's this inside it. Um it's just really exciting. There's like a real thrill to it. And it is a real collaborative thing where like there were puzzles in the thing that I didn't touch. Mhm. Because I like they didn't play to my strengths, and then ones that I like spent a lot of time on because they did. Yeah, and then and vice versa, you know, like people kind of paired off into different different groups to work on different things. Yeah, um, did that happen just like naturally? Like somebody said, "Oh, this is I, I know this." Yeah, that like we just kind of gravitated towards the stuff that we were noticing, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just really interesting. Like there were some um, that were more kind of word based and uh, and such that like I. Was and and kind of image based that I was better at, and then some of the logic stuff I'm not as good at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just it was very cool. Like, yeah. uh, and this I, was, is like, I was really impressed. And it was stuff that you could work on in parallel. So the full weight of the fact that you had eight people with conflicting approaches well, didn't. That's the thing is you you could for about three fourths of it, <laughs> right? And then and then we got to the point where it kind of funneled us. Like there was a little bit of like I it was really really impressive. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of like a, a lock and key. Disparity, like I, my instinct when something like that comes up is that like any individual feature of the thing will be either a lock or a key once. Mm-hmm. But there were a couple things that we had to use twice, like a couple input methods that like here's a place to put a code. We put in a code there and it caused a change, but then later we had to put in another code there, mm-hmm. and there's nothing to necessarily like indicate that you would need to. Oh yeah. So it's like in my mind, I was like, oh, that's solved. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of stuff bummed me out a little bit. Yeah. Like, I was like, ah, that seems like a little bit of a stretch. Like, if I'm metagaming this, that seems like something that, you know, really wouldn't happen. Yeah. It seems like it would either be every code has an individual uh, input method or Mm -hmm. that there is a single input method that you always go to. And the puzzle is finding the stuff that you put into that one. And so everybody's like gathered around it. Right. So yeah, there's there was that kind of thing. That's the the hard puzzle that we got stuck on after the puzzle we shouldn't have got stuck on. Mm-hmm. Um, was that, and I think we eventually would have figured it out with enough time. Yeah. But uh, that one, I was just that was the only time I felt it was a little bit like hinky. Like mm-hmm. it's like ah, you know, this isn't my this isn't my favorite thing. But like that also could be me being defensive because you know <laughs> mad at us for not not making it. Yeah. So I hear that those uh, that there's like a huge booming scene for those things out in uh, Budapest. Like even more so, even more so than in like Japan. Weird. Yeah, like uh, one of the Idle Thumbs guys like went there specifically to do a whole shitload of those. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like that is that is a uh, it's a good fun time, man. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it's it's kind of spendy. 
<laughs> but for being as like unique an experience as it is, it's not, you know, it's worth it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's not something you're going to do all the time. So, yeah. And it's also not something that was like cheap to put on. Like the, the mm-hmm. production values evidence, like the one-time investments were significant. And then yeah. also there were two people working it the whole time we were there. Yeah. I wonder how long something like that would have to run to like break even. I don't know. Like yeah. I, I, maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask yeah. like if, uh, cause uh, Mink is going back to back overseas, mm-hmm. but if I see her, I think she's going to do some kind of a uh, going away party. So I'll ask her there. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah. I w- went over to her house and played uh, Super Mario Strikers a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like drink, drink and, and ate some dinner and played Super Mario Strikers with her and her, her roommate. Hmm. That's I've never played before. Yeah. It's I, a soccer game. I understand it's a fun soccer game. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Like it's, it's hard. Yeah. But, and, and the characters are weirdly sexualized. <laughs> like, like Princess Daisy comes out and like, you know, just struts her stuff and like <laughs> has hips to yaya and stuff. And it's real weird. <laughs> Games yeah. that stretch from here to forever. Yeah, it doesn't. It that part doesn't make sense. Yeah, you know. yeah. That was uh developed by Next Level, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but I think Camelot had something to do with it as well. Because mm-hmm. most of the Mario like sports stuff, I think I remember seeing Camelot here. Which uh, were Game. you playing it on on GameCube or Wii? GameCube. GameCube. Yeah, it's uh. I just looked it up on the wiki. Development Group Three and Next Level Games. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Maybe we were just talking about Camelot because we're talking about Mario Sports. Well, yeah, Mario Sports would be that. Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo. We're gonna win. I feel sick. I just got heartburn. Yeah, or like acid reflux, rather. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. I've been slam jamming these berry flavored tums. Hmm. Okay. So I got a value sized 160 tab- tablets here. <laughs> this is gonna a gentle backdrop of the sound. <laughs> yes. Just uh, let's look. Can we isolate that just so I can layer it under as a percussion track? Mm-hmm. Crunchy tums. Yeah. Crunchy that's that's uh, that, that that that's part of what I knew would make like my office where I work like a good place, like a good, like a good fit was, uh, in, in, in each of the two kitchens, there is a, an extra large economy sized bottle of ibuprofen and an extra large mm-hmm. economy sized bo- bottle of Tums. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. They're going to take care of us. You throw a little Pepto in there and you more or less have like the entirety of a medicine cabinet you need. Yes. <laughs> like if, if like for acid, do this for mm-hmm. pain, do this for nausea, do this. Yep. Those are the three things I, I experience, and then very occasionally a little diarrhea. <laughs> little, but the Pepto, you know what? The Pepto gotcha. Yeah, the Pepto can help with that. It's not quite as like amazing as Imodium is. Yeah, like where you never want to shit again. You're never grabbing <laughs> like, Imodium when you never want to shit. Yeah, Imodium. It's like welding it shut. Yeah, yeah. Tired, tired of shitting. <laughs> Trimodium. I've been terrified to do the okay, so this is a uh, this is this is probably a little bit too much of a of of a story. I've been terrified to take a modium for years because mm-hmm. the last time I did it, it was my first time headed to a work meeting and um knowing my you know how how my digestive tract worked, it was like I'm probably just gonna take some emodium preventatively, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm probably gonna be pooping. And sure. um I got into the meeting and it's like, okay, I feel really sick. I feel like I have to poop, but I can't. And I started panicking. I was like, I got to 
go. So I went to the bathroom and instead of pooping, I threw up. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, and, and like logically, you know that you're not just throwing up poop. Exactly. Right. But it really seems like that's what's going on. It really, really feels like it. Yeah. That's that's the worst. I, I've had a I had um, I was going down to a buddy's house like in my younger drinkier days mm-hmm. and uh, we we're going to we we're going to party all weekend. And I had a little spot of the diary. So I I decided that, uh, you know, I'd have some Imodium. And, like, it wasn't working right away, but it was my first time taking it. So I was like, oh, well, you just got to take another one. Like, this is going to act like like aspirin. (laughs) Like, just, you know, if it doesn't work in a half hour, just go ahead and grab grab and have another one. So it really overdid it. Mm. Um, And then it was, like, fine, you know, like, going down there. But then the – I I had, like, a heavy weekend of, like, car bombs. Right, right. Like, essentially, like, there's, like, what if you, you know, because, like, I that's one of my, I think the taste of that drink is really good. Like, it tastes like really good milk. Like, I like an Irish car bomb. Mm -hmm. But it's the kind of thing you do, like, a real wild night and you do one of them. Mm -hmm. It's not the kind of thing that, like, I feel like, you know, you just replace your drink with. Yeah. it's Like, Like, you don't have a night where it's like, well, I drink about eight car bombs, like, (laughs) sipping car bombs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's uh, similar to the white russian in that regard yeah exactly yeah. like a white russian's like a chill drink it's not like a get drunk on a white russian drink right um so i just drank a lot of car bombs and i was just in trouble like my stomach hurt so bad and there was just like nothing to do oh no yeah it was really rough yeah and drinking's bad for diarrhea anyway yeah yep yep Ugh. yeah it was it was it was not i mean i was like 20 like it was yeah. i was young mm-hmm. um but it was it was stupid oh yeah. well yeah now and now it's like if 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 I've got if I have a little bit of thunder down under, I just grab like a single emodium and I'm just like, I follow the directions because I'm an adult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but well, the, the directions for emodium are nuts because they say take one after your first movement and and after every movement thereafter, yeah. up yeah. to a certain amount. And it's like you don't understand. Like I'm going in there every 15 minutes. Yeah, that's a lot of emodium, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't need to do that. Like just let me take like two of them and then just relax for a moment. Yeah. I you mean, know, and just, and just, yeah. Yeah. Little, 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 little guest cameo from Rhea, Rhea Perlman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is an odd way to put that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It works. Let's check with the judges and we're good. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's cool. like, huh. Oh, took me a minute. Um, I didn't uh, tell you about, uh, I went and gave away that giant check. I know. I, I just, uh, abject suffering didn't seem like the proper time to bring it up. And yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm curious how that went because that was a pretty fucking big check. Yeah. They, they made a giant novelty check. I was really happy that they did it. <laughs> yeah. um, it was, it was really, it was real fun. Mm-hmm. Like it was real cute. The Jen is really charming and like a, like she's real kind of goofy. Like she's, mm-hmm. she was real tired and like, um, she's kind of like, uh, just like kind of improper and stuff when she talks, and then okay. like it's really fun because when she talks about the uh, the cause, like she just like comes together. Oh yeah, in, a, in a, you know in her way, like it's just like oh, this is you know she knows her shit. She snaps like, her like snaps to the right register for it. Yeah, yeah, and like be um and she didn't know she introduced uh introduced me and us and mm-hmm. said like uh, you know th- several days before this I didn't know what an online RPG was like <laughs> she didn't really know what we did oh yeah um yeah she was like and then now I know these people play these games online and like it was very cute like it's yeah. just like oh okay this is an old lady who doesn't really know mm-hmm. anything about video games which is fine yeah. um but the uh yeah it was and then also 
um, you know, I went up there and I had the check and it was kind of burning. Like I kind of want to say burning a hole in my pocket, but that made mm-hmm. it sound like I wanted to spend it. Mm-hmm. It was more like I just, it was a lot of, of like a large amount of money I just had in my pocket. Yeah. And it was, it was making me nervous. <laughs> so at the end of it, after she talked and I like said a couple things, um, she like held out her hand to shake me, shake my hand and I handed her the check because I was <laughs> nervous. Here, please take this. Yeah. I was, I was, and I felt really embarrassed about it. And then also she thanked me and I, and because she was thanking me and it was a reflex, I said like, anytime, that's not true. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like <laughs> yeah. once a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not really true. Like anytime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Anytime. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever, dude. It was nothing. <laughs> you did not. Um, but uh, so that was, you know, but it was it was really nice. Like they said a bunch of nice things and it was a really like for a charity of that size, it was a significant contribution. Like they mm-hmm. did. Um, they asked for money uh, from people and there were a couple of people who donated a thousand dollars and then like a couple of people were 500 and stuff. But mm-hmm. like doing the kind of quick math in my head, it was probably about a quarter of what they made for their for like their big fundraising thing. Oh, great. We brought in, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. Um, we won an auction for a, uh, a trip to the zoo and a trip to uh, this like pretty good Mexican restaurant called Porque No. Oh, cool! For like drinks, appetizers, and food for four people. Hmm. So, and then the um, there's very nearly a really good because uh, Dark Horse always gives them a bunch of stuff, but they um, this year they just like they gave them a bunch of anime. Like there weren't any like Dark Horse titles. Um, and there was one basket that was almost really good. That was like a bunch of like kind of cool looking anime and then a bunch of berserks. Ooh. Um, but I didn't win it, but Brayden did. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah. So I'll have to ask him how the rest of that stuff went. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a random sampling. It's like 28, 30, <laughs> you know, 36 and two, you yeah. know, it's just like random berserks, but it's pretty neat. Um, it's fun. Silent auctions are fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was good times. Yeah. I'm really happy that went so well. Yeah, they went. Yeah, it went, went super well. Um, yeah, and then like uh, you know, I like the idea of like doing it again in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I like the idea of sticking with them because it's fun to like create a relationship. Yeah, with people, and uh, you know, it's a it is a good uh, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good cause. I mean, you know, my mom was kind of curious, like, oh, why'd you do this? You know, like like mm-hmm. which you know like this charity, and I you know gave her the rundown. I said, you know, just all the reasons that we have. It's a good cause, et cetera. But also, they're a small organization, and like if we were like, oh. Let's give this to Susan G. Susan G. Coma for the cure. Like a no, yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, like it's a drop in the bucket. Man. Yeah, exactly. Like we can actually like have a tangible impact on a, a, you know several people's lives with that. So that's yeah. yeah, you know, put it put it put it where it matters, right? Yeah, and as and like as totally as more people uh, that are like kind of involved in our our web online, mm-hmm. um, you know, our our trans people, like it is kind of a. Uh, you know, it has more kind of importance. That's appropriate. 